Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The Mind Aware, 199. Well, it starts with you feeling good. So excited to have 15 to 30 minutes of just pure fun right now. This is going to be good. Yay! I love that. <laughs> Oh, that sounds nice. I'd like that. I'll go get that for myself right now. Be perfect every minute of every day. Never have another drop of sugar. Because I think if you say that to people, everybody's going to freak out. Hi, Dana. It's great to see you. I mean, not see you, but be with you today. (laughs) What I found to be the secret. (laughs) Who doesn't want to be great? I love it. You know, when you're clear, what you choose to show up in your life will, and only to the extent that you're clear. That's the amazing capacity of the human mind. Hello, everyone. This is Dana Wild with the Mind Aware Show, and welcome. You often hear me talk about intentional action. You hear me talk about feeling good first, getting yourself in that really good feeling place, and then taking action. So really allowing yourself to be in the flow, to be guided in a way, just to to trust and allow that things are going to come on your radar. Your reticular activating system is going to be working for you. Things are going to flow for you. You're going to be on the path. You're already on the path. You're already doing it. Well, guess what? Today I actually have an example of this for you because sometimes we can talk about these things in theory or talk about brain science and it's totally different from actually hearing how does somebody actually do this? How does somebody implement this in their life? Well, guess what? We have Manesh Bindi with us. He is a wealth manager. Yeah, he's one of those money guys, and he does this. He lives like this. He thinks like this. He actually totally understands what it means to be connected and feeling good and to make decisions from that place because he's practicing it. So let's get in there and talk to him and hear what it's like to do that. Hi, Manesh. Hi, Dana. Nice to meet you, and thanks for having me on this interview. I'm very, very, very excited. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here too, Manesh. You know, maybe what we'll do, tell us a little bit about your story because your company is Gold and Silver for Life and you founded it in 2010. Yes. How did you kind of come to get the idea? Can you tell us a little bit of background about how you came into it? Oh, wow. Uh, I started, I was very lucky and I, uh, even though I'm from a uh, a part of London, I'm British, I'm from a part of London that is the third most poorest borough in London. My family was very, very, very loving, and I was kept away from the the rubbish that goes on in that type of society, and my mindset was bulletproofed from that, not really by choice or by uh, by strategy, just out of pure love. 
Um, you know, I'm from an environment where the main conversations that go on are about, you know, how do we get the most government benefit checks uh, or who has won the latest sports game. And so I was very lucky from a young age to just be kept away from that, just out of pure sheer love. And then as we moved out of that that environment, my dad started taking me to seminars. And then at 16, I was walking past his home office and I heard him negotiating a real estate deal. He worked. He used to work with uh, real estate investors, just negotiating deals and things like that. And I stood at the door at 16 years old, and I um I just watched him, and I watched him finish this conversation. And I remember right now, I I I had a cheeky smile on my face, and I just stood there leaning against the door on one shoulder, and I said I could do that in a very very <laughs> cocky, arrogant way. And I was so lucky that he didn't say, you know shut up or get out of here, which would have been perfectly understandable for him to say that. He said, show me. And so, you know when you have that moment where you've just overextended what you think you could do just for pure reason of being cocky, and then that, and then now suddenly you, you have to prove it to yourself, and uh, it sort of challenged me to raise my standards in that moment. And so I had to prove it to him, because I wasn't going to be the one that, that I got proven wrong, right? So at 16, I started negotiating real estate deals, and then... About 18 years old, I did my own first uh, real estate deal, which is a million pounds worth of property with yeah, 68,000 pound cash back and a quarter of a million in equity. And then I was attending a seminar and I was talking to the seminar organizer, a really good friend of mine, Mark Anastasi, and he heard this story and he said, you need to be on stage. You need to teach people about this. And I knew sort of how valuable what I was doing was because I didn't have one of the key things I saw that most people had that was trying to learn this skill, I guess, was that they had the fear that if they didn't get it right, then something would go wrong. Whereas at 16, I didn't have that fear. It was it was a case of whatever happens, happens. So very quickly, I became a, you know, a very good negotiator because I could walk away. Very easily. I didn't have the attachment to the deal. And so when he said that, I could see it, but I didn't really want to do it. And then the entrepreneur side of me kicked in when I saw him go on stage and talk about, you know, he helps people with creating online businesses. And when a 100 people ran to the back of the room with a check for £1,500 for a seminar that was happening in two months' time, suddenly the entrepreneur within within <laughs> rose out of me, and I turned to my dad, who was next to me, and I said, I could do that. <laughs> Flashback, right? Yeah, right. So, I, I, could, I, you know, and that was the moment where I decided I was going to be a speaker. And, you know, I know all of these, oh, every speaker has this great story of, oh, you know, I they wanted to help people, etc. For me, it was the money to start with. I didn't see, and I was 18 years old, and I'm fully, fully okay saying that. And I guess that came because I knew the skill that I had and the people that I saw around me. I saw that what they were looking for, and I saw the missing piece. But my intention to teach and to create a business in education was because I saw the revenue potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that happened, and then we started talking about real estate, and I built this company with my dad. And then we started talking about the stock market, and we did two seminars a month for three or four years. And then we got to the market crash of 2008, and I took a step back and just watched what I was doing. And I wasn't comfortable with the idea that I was really teaching people how to create a second job, because trading is a second job. 
And when you're in an industry where, you know, the average success rate is 3% on an investment program, it unsettled me in that moment when the 2008 market crash happened. I don't know why that was the moment, the turning point, but it unsettled me. I thought there must be a simpler way. And I was really inspired by Steve Jobs. I always have been. I'm a big Apple fan. And one of the things that inspired me the most is that he could see when computers were just for geeks, he could see that what we needed was an all-in-one, an appliance, something people could just plug in like a Mac laptop and it just turns on and works. And so in 2009, I started investing in gold and silver after doing some research just for my own wealth. And then I said, what if we could create an investment system that was just a plug and play that anyone from anywhere in the world could do? And it was just simple. It didn't overextend, didn't overpromise, didn't, you know, create uh, a scenario where people were wishing and working too hard. Yes, the results might be potentially lower than a, a hyped up promised product. But what if it would just work consistently? And so in 2010, really with the pursuit of doing that and using gold and silver as the opportunity and the vehicle, we launched gold and silver for life. And today we have clients in 40 different countries with an average uh, ROI of 2.2% per month. Happy clients all over the world that still join us from 2010. Let me ask you something, Manesh. How much, when as you're doing these different steps in your journey, you know, you've got the real estate crash in 2008, you're making these transitions. Do you think that you were following your good feelings? Do you think you were being logical? Was it a combination of both? Like, how do you think you arrived at this particular vehicle? Personally, what kind of thoughts go into your head or what kind of ways are you thinking differently than the average person out there who doesn't find a good vehicle for themselves? Well, I think that going back to the point at where I first started, you know, saying that I could do this, I think that's a very good feeling uh, overall that I can do this. And, you know, if you're not doing it for yourself, if you have the illusion that you're doing it for the world, then that's not really a good creative standpoint anyway. I agree. Um, and so for me, really understanding that I'm doing this for myself and the world will benefit is the start is sort of the starting point from I don't do this for anybody else. Yeah, right? I, I do agree. This for my own fulfillment and for my own enjoyment, and you know, if the world benefits from it, that's that's amazing. Can I uh, piggyback on that with you? Because I I couldn't agree more. You know, I think there's a, a I keep threatening one day I'm going to write a book called The Myth of Service because I think that. There's this big idea out there that we are supposed to be service-oriented, service-oriented, service-oriented. And obviously, we want to give good customer service, so this is a different conversation. But for me, if I'm thinking that I have to be out there serving others, then I have to see everybody that follows the mind aware as needing service. You know, I have to see them in a light that they're not whole and complete and awesome and wonderful just like they are, that they're not just fantastic and on their own journey. So for me, I know we're looking at it more like we just want more people to play with and that we're creating a sandbox where more people can play, not that we need to serve people. And I, I think that that same kind of sentiment is resonating with what you're saying I need to do this for me I'm doing this I like gold and silver I'm doing because it it's fun and I love it and I want to do it not not for the world but for me does that make you know where I'm getting with this 
perfect sense. We have, we're using, uh, we have um, the exact same understanding. We're using different words because I, I, I wrote a blog post a while ago on my personal blog and I said, stop why we need to, I can't remember the exact title, but it was why we need to stop saving the world and start serving the world. And what I mean by that is it's the exact same meaning as what you're saying, except the word serve is slightly different. So okay. from my perspective, serving somebody's wants means not judging them. Yeah. If somebody wants wealth, serve that. Don't try and save them by saying you need spirituality, you need, you know, this, you need time freedom, you need, no, they, people know what they want. Yeah. And yeah. what they want is, is very specific based on the experience that they're living because it's birthed as a desire to teach them what the next step of their journey is. Well, so I like your honesty to say, like, I was in it, you know, I was 18 years old and I was in it for, for the money, you know, because I think that there's some, especially, I don't, maybe it's the same in the UK, but here definitely there's some stigma, like it's not okay to want money. And and I think that that's a huge block to wealth. That's the number one block to abundance is that we're all afraid to say that it's okay to want it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very selfish if you don't want money because no good deed, no good deed has ever left the confines of your individual self without money. You can do a good deed for someone, but if you want to scale that, and you want an institution to scale that, you need finances. Whether you get them by creating the source of money yourself, or whether you get them through contributions, you need money. So I always I always believe the quote, you know, money is the root of all good. <laughs> Preach it, brother. I love it. This is Dana Wild with the Mind Aware. We're having a really interesting conversation with Manesh Bindi. He is a wealth manager over at Gold and Silver for Life. So you can find him at goldandsilverforlife.com. Go check it out. He's always doing free webinars, ways that you can learn more about what he knows about accruing wealth and how to find that. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I'm going to ask him how he manifested something. And you know what it was? It was meeting Jay-Z. We'll be right back. What's going on with you? You seem so up all the time, and your business is on fire. What are you doing? I started Train Your Brain You. It's the only program for entrepreneurs that addresses mindset and business growth strategies. The idea behind the program is that when you feel good, you act great, and it's awesome. You can check it out at trainyourbrainu.com, and that's trainyourbrainu, the letter U, dot com. Is it expensive? Seriously, it's like you're a whole different person. It's only a dollar a day, and you get all of the latest tools to help you stay positive and grow your business. You would love it. Where do I go again? Trainyourbrainu.com. That's trainyourbrainu, the letter U, dot com. Check it out today. This is Dana Wild with the Mind Aware Show. We're having a really interesting conversation with Manesh Bindi. He is a wealth manager, and you can find him over at Gold and Silver for Life. That's goldandsilverforlife.com. Go check him out. You know, one of the reasons I was really interested in talking with Manesh is I know a lot of you hear me talk about Abraham Hicks, and I'm quoting things from Abraham Hicks, and I found out that Manesh is familiar with their work for a long time, and we talk about this idea of 
feeling good and really allowing things to come into your life, allowing goodness to come into your life, allowing the things you want, getting in the vortex, all of that good stuff. And he started to tell me a story about when he met Jay-Z and I said, save it because I want, I want you to tell it on the show. So here we are, Manesh, and you've got all the time in the world. I know it's a long story, so tell me, how did this come about? So firstly, I've got to just say, um, I'm inspired by Jay-Z. Just not, you know, not only some of the music, but just who he is as a, as a person that transcended the environment that he was around. It, it resonates with the sort of the neighborhood that I come from and his transcendence and ability to think and feel and manifest past it and continue moving without getting, because without becoming too content in a particular level just inspires me beyond anything. So in 2011, we wanted to go and see a particular concert that uh, he had and he was doing. And we didn't know whether this concert was coming to the United Kingdom or not. So me, a friend of mine, and my brother decided that we would just fly to wherever in the world. Uh, this is one of the advantages that wealth gives you, I guess. Uh, fly to wherever, wherever in the world to watch this concert. And at this point, I had not... You know, I had a little experience with the law of attraction and, and feeling good and all this stuff back in 2006, but uh, it wasn't a, a conscious doing uh, at this point. So we were ready to book these tickets, and I told my assistant, I said, whatever, whenever, when the tickets come, off, come, come on for sale, just go and book them. We ideally want to go to Vegas, and we want the VIP tickets. Uh, if that doesn't work, for whatever reason, go to the last date on the tour, and just book it. Wherever it is in the world, we'll go. So this happened, and she came back, and she said, I have the tickets. And I got very, very excited, thinking we were going to go to Vegas and watch uh, Jay-Z. And she says, no, 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 you're not going to Vegas. That's sold out in 12 seconds. So I said, oh, okay, where are we, where are we going, thinking it's going to be somewhere else in America? And she goes, well, you're going to Vancouver in December. And in my mind, the only thing I know about Canada in December is five feet of snow. Just, I've never been to Canada before this point. And so I'm now sort of contemplating how good of a decision this was. Luckily, my brother and my, my friend were in a really good vibrational place and they were very excited. I guess they hadn't seen the pictures of Toronto in December. <laughs> so anyway, the time comes around. We're all, we all go there and it's concert day. Uh, it's such an amazing, easy trip so far, and it's concert day. We go to the concert, we watch the concert, everything's amazing. And up until this point, I told my friend, I want to manifest this guy. I want to meet him. I want to, I want to be in the same energy space as him. And obviously, they looked at me as if I was crazy, uh, as I'm sure you've had that look as well, right? Everyone has. Right. And so this concert finishes, and my friend speaks to some of the guys that were part of his you know, entourage or crew, I guess, and and they told, you know, we asked them, where are you going after the, where is the after party, et cetera, et cetera. Now, bear in mind, I don't go clubbing, I don't drink, uh, I drink, you know, maybe one or two glasses of wine, that's it, I don't do any of that, uh, and let alone in another country, not even my own country, and I mention a particular place, and we're about to leave. The only problem is, we look around and we're in VIP which is right in the middle and we see 20,000 people trying to leave out of the exit that we want to take so my friend says I'll handle this 
I trust him to do anything that he puts his mind to uh, at this stage, right? Uh, and he shows the security guard our VIP badges, and this security guard must have had a stroke of Abraham at this point. And he said, yeah, sure. He said, you know, we've got these badges, we're going this way. What he didn't realize was that we didn't have backstage passes. So now suddenly we're walking backstage and we've got Jay-Z's wardrobe on one side, Kanye West's wardrobe on another side, and none of us have got the fortitude to go into any of these rooms. So we're standing outside like a like a group of 13-year-old <laughs> girls at a Justin Bieber concert hoping that they were just going to walk past. You know, it's just uh, unbelievable. So a security guard walks past once and then walks past again. And he says, you guys don't have the right badges. You're not supposed to be here. And we didn't really fancy getting arrested in Canada. So when he said, you know, either you move out now or I'm going to call security guards and, and have you thrown out, we decided to oblige. So anyway, he pushes us out of the, some very, some, some side exit that, you know, even even people they've beaten up probably don't get kicked out of. We get pushed out of there, and my friend Ryan decides to go and get the, the, the car service that we had and tell them where we were on which side of the building. And I just spot a, a girl and her friend, and this girl is lying flat on the ground. And just, the, I, I normally, I knew she was drunk, and I normally don't have any time for anyone who is drunk. And But my heart just said, just make sure she's okay. And so I went over to, to make sure she was okay, um, and she was okay. She was just, I guess, taking a five-minute nap in the middle of the street in Vancouver. Uh, <laughs> and at this point, Ryan shouted from behind me, and he said, you know, the car's here, let's go. And you know that moment where you just have something in your heart that just tells you to do something that's completely against everything that you do? Yeah. yeah. Well, my heart said, take these girls with you. And so I told them, you know, you can come with us. And they got in the car, and we were heading to uh, a, a, a particular club that Ryan suggested. He said, this is the only hip-hop club in Vancouver. It, let's just go to that. It's not going to be the club that they mentioned. Forget it. We had a great time. Let go. It's not a problem. So I'm looking at him going, okay, but how are we going to get into this club? I don't go clubbing. You don't go clubbing. We're in another country. How are we going to do this? There's going to be a very long queue. And suddenly, the girl that was lying flat on the ground that I wouldn't have talked to, just I just would not have talked to her if my heart hadn't told me to do that. She suddenly finds complete and utter soberness and says, my friend works security at this club. So, so me and my friend and my brother are looking at each other going, this can't be real. <laughs> She gets on her phone and starts texting away, and so we're heading there. We're thinking, okay, well, we're going to get there and stand in the queue anyway. But we jump out of the car, and uh, the head of security comes and says, Hey, Diana, lovely to see you. Gives her a big hug, shakes all of our hands, searches us and everything like that. They're doing clubs, and then uh, instructs three security guards to walk us through a queue of 300 people to our table that they had arranged because she told them to, on her phone, in the club. And all of us are looking stunned right now, as I'm sure you can imagine. And we sit down, and I, I, you know, we order a bottle of champagne, and I pour a glass for all of us, and I look at my friend Ryan, and I say, you know, and my brother, and we chink glasses, and I say, it was a great trip. Five minutes later, Jay-Z comes and sits on the sofa next to us. 
at that moment, now what's crazy is everyone thinks that was the magic moment, right? That he came to that. For me, I was ready to leave the club at that point. Because for me, for the first time ever in my life, what I understood was that whatever I wanted, I could put my mind and heart to, and it would happen. Because this wasn't a car. This wasn't like a, you know, this wasn't a house. This was a real soul. It was somebody outside of yourself that had to rendezvous with you in a certain place. So it feels like for most people, when they're thinking people outside of themselves, it feels like, man, that's, you know, how that's so like I can't make other people do things. And so it's such a really good example because it just shows you how trusting your instincts that's the power of that, is the idea that, oh, my gosh, I manifested this, for lack of a better way to say it. You know what I mean? I, I, that was the moment. And at that point, what was so um, funny was, you know, we connected eyes, and uh, I saluted him. He saluted back with a glass of champagne. I was so impressed with him that night just as a fan because, you know, the club obviously put bottles and bottles of champagne in front of him. He didn't take one sip the whole night. And that was that was very impressive. But I was done. At that point, that moment, everything changed as far as understanding that I could, I could manifest and create and, and control the, the realizations and the, and the manifestations around me. So what do you think did it, Minash? Like, why? Why did that happen? You know, if somebody's listening to this and they say, okay, that's a great story, but how do I do that for myself? How do I have things happen to me that I want to come into my life like that, almost like it's magic. How do you think you were thinking differently? I think, you know what it was? It was so big to me. It was like, well, either I believe this is going to happen and know it's going to happen, or what's the point? Mm -hmm. It was just so big that I had to, you know, uh, a current presidential candidate says, you know, if you're going to be thinking anything, you might as well think big. And I really think that the truth the value behind that statement is because by thinking big, if you can actually stay there and if you can believe it, you will truly align yourself to that faster than anything. It's, I actually think it's easier to create something that's so big than it is to create something that's small. Mm, I, I totally know that. I, it, I'm, we call it being in a state of knowing. Right. You know, that's what we talk about with Train Your Brain. It's like you get into this state of where you just you just know. You just know something's going to happen. Do you think that sometimes I think when people, they're building businesses or they're trying to attract abundance or find their way in the world, you know, their path to abundance, that they question it or they have debates with themselves in their head or they have self-doubt. And obviously, you know, we offer a lot of different ways that you can curb those negative voices and get yourself in a better feeling place. But do you think there's a shortcut to that? It almost sounds to me like you didn't experience any of that self-doubt. You I, really just said, I'm going to do this. Yeah, that was that one time, right? But once, <laughs> it becomes, once it becomes conscious, I think that, you know, you naturally go through the process of overcoming your self-doubt. And I think the key word in the statement that you just made is people are trying to attract wealth. Yeah. And trying to attract abundance. And I think the word trying, you know, as Yoda says, do or do not, there is no try. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no try. You're either aligned or you're not aligned. It's just as simple as that. And you've got to get yourself to alignment, uh, as our friend Abraham says. Mm-hmm. Um, and only then, and then once that happens, everything happens effortlessly. 
Let me ask you this before we go. If somebody was looking to find that alignment, do you have any kind of tips or tricks or something that somebody could play with today that would help them to move them a little bit more in that direction of knowing? Do you have any advice along that line? I would say really create the vision of what you want and uh, try and, and feel it. Does it feel like you have it and does it feel good? And if it doesn't, you need to fine-tune something. Nice. I That was really good advice. So create the vision of what you want and create the feeling place of it. Does it feel like you have it? And if it doesn't, then fine-tune it. That Perfect, perfect, beautiful, beautiful advice. Manesh, this is fun. I, you're one of these people, like, I feel like we could just go on and on and talk for hours and hours. So I, I really hope... We, we can have you back. I really just enjoy you, and thank you so much for taking some time with us. You're absolutely welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is Dana Wild with the Mind Aware Show. That was Manesh Bindi. Go check him out over at goldandsilverforlife.com. That's goldandsilverforlife.com. He does a lot of webinars that really help you understand how to accrue wealth. You know, it really takes the mystery out of it. And so I really hope you check him out. Wasn't it interesting? Like, you get this, right? You get that this is about a feeling place of abundance. This is about really lining up with the feeling of what you want. So it's really, in a way, almost like not overthinking it. I know with Train Your Brain, we talk a lot about the thinking process, and we talk a lot about finding ways to turn around the stories or turn around those thoughts. But what Manesh is talking about with this story is really not overthinking it. Really get into the feeling place and visualize it to a point that it feels like it's real. It feels like you already have it. Because you know what? When you get into that place of knowing, then all worry stops. You get into that place of knowing, and it's like it just is happening without you doing anything. It's like it's coming to you. That's where you want to be. This is about allowing things in. And you know the cool thing about this? You can do this today. You can sit down right now when the show's over and you can play with this. Just sit down, take five, ten minutes and play with it. Get yourself in that feeling place. And you are going to see that life is really the adventure you've been wanting. You're going to have fun. You're going to bring more into your life. You're going to be feeling better all the time. And we will see you next time on The Mind Aware. There's nothing quite like a Dana rant. Say it over and over and over again because it makes me so happy to have something that rhymes. Stop, cancel, clear. All my love is here. Stop, cancel, clear. All my power is here. Like, oh my God, I was always told never to be selfish. I know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I just love it. It's just the little things, right? See you next time on The Mind Aware Show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 